0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Exclusive live interviews. People I think have got that hunger back for hockey. Game highlights. Shot score. Jordan Eberle set up by Taylor Hall. Expert analysis and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Live. brought to you by the Terry Paranich Real Estate Team, Edmonton's number 1 real estate resource. Now. From the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Shed.
1: Well, there are pretty much no good things to say about the Edmonton Oilers' performance tonight. They are destroyed by the 26th best team in the NHL in the standings coming into tonight's game. Of course, the Oilers were and remain 30th, 5-0 Calgary is your final this evening. They win the final battle of Alberta at Rexall Place. Johnny Goudreau scored twice. Michael Backlund scored twice. Colborne had the other goal as the Oilers allowed a shorthanded goal early in the game. The first period, their best out of the three. They did have some chances, but the final 40 minutes pretty much all Calgary. We have plenty of post-game reaction from both dressing rooms. Coming up, for Reed Wilkins with you, Terry Peranich overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, our Inside the Game analyst, former Pittsburgh Penguin Rob Brown sliding in as well. And that was, uh, I, mean, I, th- I mean, pick a word, that was as non-existent an Oilers team as we've seen all season long.
2: Yeah, it was a, a game that lacked intensity, lacked emotion, lacked battle, lacked competitiveness. It, it was not a good effort. Uh, from top to bottom for the Edmonton Oilers. There, sh- there was a little bit of pushback at, in the last five, six minutes by some of the third, fourth-line players, but through the, the remainder of the game, the, the majority of the game, it just wasn't there. The Calgary Flames, they came here to, to try and win a hockey game, and the Edmonton Oilers uh, didn't. And at the end of the night, I think the score is pretty indicative of the, the way the game went.
1: 5 nothing is the final. I can tell you right off the top, Rob. I'm not giving out a fourth star tonight. Brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Try the Auction Advantage. We have the selection. You set the price. Check out maauctions.com. As I, I don't think any oiler deserves to be selected, and I think that's only the second or third time I've done that in uh, in three years of uh, of us doing the games together. But you you lose five zip, and and you don't do much, and you quite frankly probably get worse as the game went on. I, I, well, I'm, I I'm not picking I I don't
2: even know if quite frankly I, it was obvious. The, the shots were nine eight minutes into the game, and. The shots were thirty-three, nineteen after that. Nine-two for the Oilers. Yeah, for the Oilers, and the shots were thirty-three, nineteen after that for the Calgary Flames. The, the, just too many passengers tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. Just way too many passengers, and and I know it's a nothing game, but it was a nothing game for the Calgary Flames as well, and they came to play. Yeah, and their best players were very good. Johnny Goudreau was, Goudreau was outstanding. Monahan was outstanding. Backlund was very, very good. Giordano, Brody, uh, at this time of year, and I. And it's not easy, but you got to play for pride and there wasn't enough uh, from the Oilers side tonight.
1: All right, we'll start the post-game reaction courtesy of GCL Diesel for All Things Diesel with Oilers winger Jordan Eberle.
3: I I thought we started really well, um, came out with a lot of energy. you know, we're taking it to them. We get the power play, and, and obviously you get that shorthand of goal, kind of you know, deflate us. But I thought we came back from that, and then I mean, they get another one, and we're and we just didn't respond. Um, you know, like, you know, against these guys, we're gonna have chances. We needed to get around the net. We didn't do that. Um, our special teams weren't good enough. Um, and you know, obviously, as the game went on, we, we lost our compete, and they just kept adding more.
4: You know, when Ordeo would make those saves. When you guys would come back with a good shift and get a bit of momentum. Could you just see the guys deflate a little bit? Could you feel it when you were on the bench out there?
3: Um, a little bit. I mean, that can't happen, though. You know, the goal, goal is your goodness, so like, they're going to make saves. You have to keep pushing until you get it. But, um, you know, it just we, it seemed like we did. We wouldn't score and one, and then go back down and, and bury one against us, and that's deflating. So, um, you know, I, it, it really pisses you off. we got two games left and it's rank You want to finish on a high note, and, and uh, you go down like that.
5: Wednesday coming up is a real big night. Is it? Going to be good to refocus and hopefully come back and you know give give the fans give this building one last you know really good memory.
3: Yeah, um, you know I, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to win games for these guys right now. Just you know it's you want to leave with you know feeling good about yourself and, and feeling good um, you know about this rinks and you know obviously that's uh, that's not a, a good way to go. We, we got to find a way to, to regroup here, got a couple of days of practice. Um, you know obviously there's going to be a couple of things we'll key on, um, but we need we need to win on Wednesday. There's Jordan Eberle-Reed.
1: All right, Dave Campbell, work in the Edmonton Oilers dressing room tonight. Thanks, Dave. 5 nothing. The Calgary Flames pull away and absolutely skunk the Edmonton Oilers tonight. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630 just got a text here from uh, Dave who is listening who said, hear the same things from the Oilers after every game. When are they going to start? Correcting the mistakes they talk about.
2: (laughs) Well, I am sure that's something the coaching staff right now sitting in the coaches' room trying to figure out uh, uh, as well. You know, at the beginning, there, part way through the season, the others were off to a bit of a bad stretch. We got a number of callers talking about big moves. They got to start trading players away, and at that point, you and I said there wasn't going to be a big move. We felt that if it was going to happen, it was going to be in the off season. We also said that we didn't know if it was who was going to go, what was going to go, if there was going to be uh, any of the core players going. But the one thing that you and I both talked about was if the Oilers, and we didn't think it was going to happen, but if the Oilers at some point finished near the bottom of the standings again, then there was going to be some wholesale changes. And I think that we are now going to see some, uh, some significant moves in the offseason because the, the, the disappointment that this management team and coaching staff must have with the way the season has gone and the way the season is continuing to end. I, I don't think Peter Shirelli is going to sit idle.
1: Well, and I'm going to use the the line I've been using through parts of this season. I mean, at this point, Rob, so say you trade whoever or pick a name or names, except McDavid, obviously. Mm-hmm. What are you afraid of, finishing 35th? Like, you can't do any worse. Uh, and You no. can't do any worse than you've done the last seven years, really. I mean, 20, 20 in, in a seven-year span for a franchise, 24th out of 30 should not be your peak.
2: No, you're, you're, you know? you're right.
1: So, I, I mean, in, in anything that Shirelli does is, uh, I'm sure, going to be fine by most fans. Again, except the obvious. You're not going to trade 97. But, uh, uh, I mean, Secker has a no trade, and they're obviously committed to Talbot. But I, I would think any other guy to some extent, could be on the table if he gets a deal that thinks, all right, that's going to add something we're lacking.
2: And I, and I imagine there's going to be teams calling, too. They're going to say, hey, I know that some of these players were untouchable before, but uh, I've seen the way the season's gone. Hey, how, is this guy available now? Here's what we got looking for you. And, and it, this is going to be a very uh, awkward off season for a number of players because the, the years have gone poorly over the last few and the players have gone into the off season. A lot of these players say, you know what, the season was poorly, but next year we're going to be better, and they knew they were going to be part of the, the future. A- as you just said, there's one or two players that are guaranteed to be back here next year. No one else is. And I think so it's going to be an awkward time now for a lot of players because they've always, well, you know, it was a bad year. Uh, w- you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. If the injuries or goals or whatever, we'll get a couple new players, things will be good. And they always thought that they were going to be part of the solution. And that's not the case now. There's a number of players who are core players who are going to go into the off season wondering if they're going to be part of this, the, the, this, the answer here in Edmonton. And a, a number they all want to be. But the play over the last couple of years, and especially this year, has not dictated for, or not allowed them the, the luxury of going into the offseason comfortable in their position with the team.
1: All right, We have JP up first on the line. Hi, JP. You're on with Robin Reed.
6: Hello, Reed. Hello, Rob. How are you guys tonight?
1: Good, good, good. Glad to hear. Um,
6: what a game tonight! My God, so much action! I was so impressed with the game tonight. My goodness, so glad I got to witness the whole CCM. Um, I'll tell you right now, I'm glad I brought a flat of beer with me to watch the game tonight because I'm almost damn near done the whole thing. But uh, this we say, I'll this right now. You know what? The only thing I'm looking forward to is yeah, uh, the farewell to the Rexall and uh, you know the draft. At this point, that's the only thing I have to look forward to. The draft. I mean, I have so many memories. I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, we have, we have such a rich, uh, such a rich past." Of picking uh, top-notch guy, you know. The draft brings out the best in us. Yes. Quite frankly, I go. Uh, if One thing come to mind. 2004. I like to uh, think about uh, second overall, 44th pick,
1: Roman Tesla
6: God bless.
2: Okay, I, I'm not sure what the French word for sarcasm is, but, uh, but
1: yeah a little bit there from uh, JP Well, at least he's trying to laugh about it The final battle of Alberta at Rexall Place features absolutely no battle at all coming from the Edmonton Oilers side of things The Flames win it going away 5-0 Unfortunately, that means no donation tonight to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation That comes from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world They give 50 bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. 780-496-0063. You can also text us to 630-630. Matthew Panaschik back at the studio. Matthew, do we have uh, Johnny Goudreau standing by? We do. Okay, here's Goudreau, courtesy Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. <laughs>
5: Johnny, another solid performance here by your club in this building. As it's the last game here, just uh, a thought. I, mean, you always want to beat whomever you're playing, but tonight sort of looked and felt from the outside pretty special.
4: Yeah, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of tradition in the Battle of Alberta, and was um, going to be the last time playing uh, in the Rexall Place here, so we thought we would make it a you know a special memory for uh, for us as a uh, as a team.
5: What was the key to tonight? You guys got going early. Backlund's a shorthanded goal. You got some pretty good goaltending. How did you see this one play out?
4: Yeah, I think this all started with Orch back there and that uh, made some solid saves throughout the whole game, uh, you know, kept us in the game. And then uh, when we had our chances, we found the net. So uh, I think it was just uh, you know great uh, team effort. Man. Johnny, for
3: you scoring your 30th goal, is that significant in terms of your bigger picture?
4: Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, you know a really cool accomplishment. Um, you know, uh, never did I think I was going to ever be able to score 30 goals in the NHL. So, uh, you know, it's a really cool milestone. And, uh, you know, I'm really... Uh, fortunate a lot of a lot of great plays from a lot of great players throughout the season to help me get here
7: is that a personal goal of yours this season like you, you can tell us now i guess at this point yeah
4: i think uh you know honestly just coming in the season uh you know i set many goals but i think uh you know just playing my best and you know, trying to help the team win as much as possible and you know uh, thankfully uh you know happened to get uh, a couple goals here and there along the way
5: yeah, you join your uh, line mate sean monahan in that 30 goal club i mean it's pretty exclusive company here to reach that plateau
4: yeah it's uh you know really really cool uh to be a part of something like that and uh i know he's uh he's itching there close uh, i think he's got two or three more too so uh you know he's been doing a great job helping me get there so you know it's my turn to you know help him get there as well
1: it's been two years since you around this time that you made your audition that uh, final
8: game in vancouver did you think you would ever build up this quick, this fast, with the
7: goals, the points, just all the success you've had so far in your young career?
4: No, uh, you know, it's been crazy. Uh, you know, it's been uh, highs and lows and, uh, you know, you know, a lot of fun, uh, great experience the past two seasons. And, um, you know, uh, we need to just have a you know good ending to this season and, you know, get ready for next season. Great.
1: Thanks, Scott. Scott Johnson in the Flames' dressing room tonight. Johnny Goudreau, two goals, four minutes, ten seconds apart in the third period. If it wasn't already over, that really put it away. Made it four nothing. Backlund got another one in the third, not shorthanded, according to the official game sheet. Rob, I guess it was it was just as yeah, the player the Bennett, was just stepping out. Yeah, just as the as the Bennett penalty expired. So, uh, but I mean, Backlund basically a shorthanded goal and another one that was a shorthanded chance that won't officially be a shorthanded goal
2: hey, what speed backland had too he had two guys chasing him and couldn't and you know what's funny uh, and it, the refing had nothing to do with the way this game was uh the outcome of the game but a couple of weird calls tonight and on that one there on backland's shorthand well not shorthanded goal but breakaway goal mm-hmm. the referee had put his hand up and was about to give a penalty nail yakupov Nail dove tried two-handed him, yeah. but missed him and was still going to get a penalty. It was just like just before that where Nugent Hopkins got a, a hooking penalty on the one where he. I thought Brody, was, Brody deserved the penalty for hooking. Nugent just lifted his stick at the puck. And so a couple of odd calls, but didn't it didn't matter in a game tonight because uh, the Calgary Flames were better in all facets of the game.
1: 5 nothing, the Flames win. We'll go back to the phone lines and we have Nathan on the line. Nathan, thanks for calling tonight, man. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Go ahead, buddy.
9: Yeah, don't envy your position, having to you know try to figure out things to say about the garbage that we constantly keep seeing here. But uh, um, you know, just I'm, I'm embarrassed, you know. And, and listening to you interview um, Eberly and and even Darnell um, doesn't sound like they are really embarrassed. And a couple of the uh, couple of alarming things, you know, I mean, Jordan saying, "Well, we're trying to you know we're trying to eke out some wins here." Well, you. No, you're not. You're wanting to, but you're not trying. I mean, that was pretty evident tonight. And Darnell, I'm not sure if it was you, Reed that was actually interviewing him. But, uh, um, you know, when asked if he had anything to say to the fans based on tonight's performance, and, and there was nothing to say, um, he just, you know, um, spewed out some... Uh, p c garbage and and didn't take uh you know any ownership of of himself or his teammates tonight that's pretty alarming it really is you know there 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 is a fourth start tonight and it's the eighteen thousand fans that had to sit through that stuff and 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 choke that back and and that's i don't know i mean rob you you played in the you played in the league man i mean you uh um had you been interviewed and, and came off the ice and put up a, a performance like that, either yourself or all your teammates, I mean, I'm sure you'd have a little bit more to say than that, wouldn't you? Uh,
2: you know what? Yes. I, I think that usually the words that come out of Maroon's mouth are, are usually the correct words. Um, I, I, I'm not going to condemn Darnell. He's a young kid. I mean, he, yeah, that's a tough question. I, and I, I listen to Reed talk, ask that question. That's a really tough question, especially for a young kid to answer. It's one he's not usually asked. And if you ask him a hockey question, he'd be able to answer it. So he's not seasoned enough to know what to say. Uh, Jordan is seasoned enough to know what to say and say the right things. And in a game like this, a guy like Maroon would say, you know what, we were awful. We were embarrassed. And that's that's more or less should have been what was said because that was uh, sitting on the bench. They know that that was not good walking yeah, into the dressing room they know that that is not good and that's more or less what they should, have, should should have said after the game yes
9: well i understand what you're saying i mean yes it is a hard question to answer but i mean perhaps it's time that they start looking in the mirror and answering those questions you know and, and reflecting from inside here and 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 being forced to answer those questions and put on the spot because maybe that's what it's going to take to jog these guys because it just you know pussyfooting around and, and try to tiptoe around these questions and and give the standard, typical answers instead of coming out and saying, you know what, I'm embarrassed for for the way that I played tonight and, and I'm embarrassed for my teammates. I mean, these things have to be said, you know. Um, it, it's just, Like I said, maybe maybe it's just these types of things that, that will jog something with these guys. But you know I, and I
2: understand what you're saying, yeah. but what I would prefer to see it done instead of with words, do it on the ice. Instead,
10: well,
9: absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, they perhaps, if, they, if they perhaps acknowledge it through words, you know, then maybe maybe it, it, it catches something there upstairs with these guys, and they go, Jesus, I don't want to I don't want to have to sit through another interview like that and have to answer that question again. You know what I'm saying? No,
2: I, I completely understand you, but I have been on a lot of teams and her, or, and been around a long time where you hear a lot of guys say the right things, and then they don't go out and do the right things. So right. I right. I, I, pre- I I prefer they say you know what I, th- no comment, and then go out and, and play the game of your life. Yeah. And, but unfortunately, that's not happening either. I mean, there are a lot of proud players in the dressing room that are probably very, very disappointed. But there's probably some that aren't. Yeah, And, well, and that's, that's Peter Shirelli and Todd McCullen's job to, to weed out the ones that they don't want. And efforts like this uh, really open the eyes uh, of a coach, of a GM, and say, all right, okay, you know what? The Calgary Flames were playing for nothing either. Yet they came to play tonight in why yeah
9: i definitely don 't envy Shirely's job and it 's definitely a lot more difficult to to try to determine um, you know who 's not on board um, in the dressing room as opposed to you know the fans in the city because i 'm telling you it 's pretty easy to spot um, outside of that dressing room, and you know the the fan base is starting to really Starting to slowly dwindle away here, you know. I mean, um, I, I can I can remember, you know, I can remember, you know, the the boys wanting to always go out and make sure that they catch the game, and now it's just who cares? Yeah, and I, I do personally, I always have, and I always will. But you know, how when you know when's enough? You know.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, apathy is the last thing a pro sports team, well, any sports team wants. Nathan, for sure. Nathan, yeah. we, we got we got to go on here. Tell you what. They got shut out, so obviously you're going to win, finish the play. So we're going to give you 50 bucks to Hut Express, and your name goes into the grand prize draw for 1000 bucks to Integra Tire. That's in Edmonton, Sherwood Park, Fort Saskatchewan, and Stony Plain. Love your ride with Integra Tire. Sound like a deal, Nathan?
9: Yeah, thanks a lot. I was looking forward to using a lifeline tonight, but I guess it will be. <laughs> too, so. Yeah, I think, I think you'll be okay.
1: Thanks yeah, for calling, Nathan. We're going to take a quick timeout. Tom and Mike are up next on the phone lines, and we're going to bring you the full Todd McClellan postgame news conference as well. The Oilers are whipped 5 nothing by the Calgary Flames. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center.
0: You're listening to the Terry Peranich team, overtime open line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
1: All right, well, this one stunk for the Oilers. They lose 5 nothing to the Calgary Flames. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan, courtesy of GCL Diesel, for all things diesel. Is
11: that an embarrassing result and to what extent uh, in the circumstances and to what extent are you concerned that uh, it might be replicated in the the game on Wednesday that the fans are coming to celebrate? Well, I'll answer the first part of your uh, question. I don't know if there's a number big enough for how to to describe how disappointing that effort is. We've been together for 200 days and um, talked a lot about Competing and working hard and, and holding your hand and showing up, and uh, we get that. Um, and that's the exact crap that we're trying to eradicate from from this group. So you work hard, you climb, and you climb, and you climb, at least get some foundation, and you give it all back in one night. And we were outshot, we were outhit, we were outscored, we were out, we out, we out face-off, out power played, out penalty killed. Our shift length was terrible. They played four games in six nights, and we're going to go for 55-second shifts. Um, We turned a puck over a minute and 10 into a shift and then cheated on a change. We had a center change for a center who happened to be two zones away. I don't know how that can happen. So I guess when you sum it all up like that, that's really disappointing, isn't it? And that's the exact attitude and bullshit that we're trying to eliminate here. And we see it after 200 days. Disappointing. But at least... The good news is we know where to go and practice because we've got to establish a work ethic this week. And how important is it for this team to give this town a game to celebrate? on? Uh, well, it's, it's damn important. After that crap, damn, damn important that there's an effort. Forget about the win and the loss, but just the effort. That's freaking embarrassing. Well, that have? pretty much sums it up. Hey, we've been going <laughs> up.
12: What do
13: you have planned for
11: practice? Well, unfortunately, we have another uh, the Players Association Day. You know, they took it today. They, I guess they get back-to-back days, but we'll work on Monday. All right, that's head coach Todd McClellan.
2: I tell, I, I, I've been in the position that the others players are in where you've got a coach that is not happy. I tell you that day off, mandatory day off tomorrow is gonna save a lot of players a lot of pain in practice because I'm sure tomorrow's practice would not have been pretty, and I don't think Monday's is either. I believe it'll be a work ethic type practice. Uh, Todd, everything Todd McCullen said is what we have been talking about. It was uh, from top to bottom, from start to finish, it was a game that the Oilers were not even remotely close to being in.
1: Oilers lose 5 nothing. ATB Financial brings you the home ice hero. Know someone who's quiet, hard work, makes hockey happen in your community. Nominate them for ATB's Home Ice Hero Award. At ATB.com slash home ice, I'm going to name Craig Muni, who was the best oiler in the building tonight. He was a member of the alumni who was honored this evening. We have Mike on the line, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six
14: three. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Um, I've been going to games here for the last, I don't know, six years, I guess. Um, I go to about 10 a year. I've never been embarrassed as as, mu- as much as I was today. Like, that was, that was awful. I mean... I'm a Ranger fan, and I've watched them dismantle their team because of stuff like this. I've watched Chicago do it. I've watched Boston do it. You know, we've all seen it. It's it's beyond time to just get rid of, you know, you got to get rid of these guys. You have to. Like, they did not show up. They do this year after year the same guys that everybody keeps preaching that we need to keep and, oh, this guy can do this and we can't make lateral moves and blah, blah, blah. This coach literally wants to just leave this team. You can tell. He's so frustrated. He's swearing in press conferences. He's got it. You know, like We can't be doing this every year. And like one of your callers said, you, it's, you can't even get your friends to go watch games anymore. Like it's, it's so disheartening, especially after today. When you're sitting there getting chirped by Calgary fans, and you're like, you, you know that their team is just way worse than yours. And they come and do a performance like they did tonight. Like, we have, in the off season, we have to get rid of these guys. Like, I don't care what we get for them. They're not doing anything for us. Like, you can't have a guy like Jordan Everly on our team. He's too soft. You cannot have a guy like Taylor Hall on our team. He just does one thing, drives the puck north-south, and that's it. He doesn't back-check. He doesn't hit. He doesn't fight. He doesn't do anything. These guys all do the same thing year after year, and for some reason they're still here. Like, this summer, we have to take this team and do what a team like Boston did and just get rid of a guy like like Taylor Hall, like they got rid of Joel Thornton, or like New York did and get rid of Marion Gabrick, or Columbus get rid of getting rid of Rick Nash. We have to get rid of these guys and just start over. And And... It's, it sucks as a fan when you have to call in like this after how many years. And we just don't want to watch this team anymore.
1: Mike, you can call us anytime, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, we'll move along. We have Brian standing by as well. Brian, 7804960063, 5-0, flames whip the Oilers tonight. Go ahead, Brian.
12: Yeah, I went to the game tonight. Um, you know, it, and, and I, I know a lot of fans are disappointed, but we have we have a right to be. This is our city. This is our team. Um, you know, it's like it's like a Jekyll and Hyde. Though it's so frustrating because you cannot you cannot figure out what you're going to get. You know, night in and night out. Um, but you know, just just watching that first period and the effort how they came out, it was like, yeah, this is this is going to be a good night. When they when they couldn't score. I don't know what happened, and, and and that's where the general manager is probably watching and going, you know, and the coach and 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 seeing things that maybe the average fan doesn't see. But it's like the the tent folded uh, on these guys. They just kind of slowly gave up. Calgary's got a good work ethic, and that's the frustrating part because they I agree, they're not as talented as us. But they came to work, and we didn't. And after 80 games, or whatever amount of games, when Jordan Eberle says that we we have to work, uh, we have to work on things. <clears throat> I'm not sure what that means. But if you don't have it figured out after 80 games, yeah, I agree. It's time to it's time to make some some changes. And I I don't know I don't know which guys are going to have to go. But I know I know is going to be making the moves. But hopefully. Things start turning around because, as a fan in the city watching these guys, it is very frustrating. Very frustrating, and I and I mean I have been a I've been a fan forever, and I probably will be, but I can totally understand why people would walk away because tonight was totally embarrassing.
1: Yeah, it was a bad one, Brian. Thanks for calling, and I, and I think one thing too, Rob, that we should bring up is. I mean, the, the, the Everly back check on the first goal, and obviously I mean lack of, and, and Nugent Hopkins, who usually is better in those situations, on the second goal. And that's what we talked about after the Anaheim game. Anaheim's obviously a good team. They have, they have talented players, sure, but they also commit to not giving up easy opportunities against. And, and look, they, they lose games. They started the season poorly. The Oilers had some chances against Anaheim, but they had to work really hard for those chances. The first two Flames goals especially, I mean, the Oilers, the, the Oilers put their goaltender in a situation where there's a guy uh, all alone in front. So not only do the Oilers not finish the chances they get tonight, they, 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 give, up, they, they give up the freebies. And it's right. It's, it's 80 games with this coaching staff, and it's, it's still happening.
2: Well, that's the difference between the good teams and the bad teams in the National Hockey League. The good teams do all the little things. They, they compete in every situation. I mean, you, you look at some of the, the greatest players in the world today. You look at a, a Jonathan Taves, a, a Sidney Crosby, um, Corey Perry. I mean, the, a, a name any of the best players. And, and they're the best players not just because of what they do with the puck. It's what they do without the puck. They're compete level. Uh, Sidney Crosby, the reason he's great isn't because he's just all the God-given skill he has. It's because he competes on every play, whether it's a a face-off in the neutral zone, battling behind the net, dumping the puck, everything. He always competes. Jonathan Taves, same thing. He he never takes a shift off. Uh, He may lose some battles, but he's going to battle every time. And I think that's why those guys are the best. And the best teams have players that do that consistently over the course of the season. Now, every team's going to have a night where uh, they're just not there. And and they all do, but they're very seldom that they have those nights, and then the next night they bounce back. Uh, The Oilers, some nights, are just too easy to play against, and and their battle level isn't as high as it needs to be. And you can look at all the teams at the bottom of the standings, and you're going to see the same mistakes made over the course of the same lack of battle, the same lack of intensity. And there's a reason why teams are consistently good and there's a reason why teams are consistently bad. And uh, the Oilers have done a number of changes when it's come to management, it's come to scouting, it's come to coaching, it's come to trainers, and just about everything. Uh, this summer, I, there's going to be trades, there's going to be changes amongst the players, and some of the players that are probably moving out are players that were deemed untouchable uh, as little as a year ago.
1: All right, the Flames take it five nothing. Their head coach is Bob Hartley, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions.
13: Bob, you gotta be happy the way you
4: finished off here at the last game of Rexall
13: Yeah, like we we played a pretty strong game. Like we weathered the storm. Like in the, the first ten minutes of the game, like the, the Oilers came on strong. Like Yoni uh gave us a few big saves, and then. Oh, we scored. Uh, we scored that first goal. It seems that we kind of took control of the game. So definitely, like, uh, very proud. Like, big team effort. A
5: statement this late in the year. Maybe it's maybe it's not a statement game. But when you have those rivalries and you have the night the way it was, and if some of your players step up the way they did, is it maybe a statement within your own
0: group?
13: Yeah. Well, he, uh, you know, we were real good on special teams. Like our our power play uh, gave us some big goals. Our penalty killing gave us. One goal, basically two goals, and uh, you know, like that's where the game played like five on five. We skated a good game, but we all know about this rivalry. But I've said it many times, like uh, you know, like those two those two teams, you know, like are are getting pretty loaded with good young talent, and obviously that the rivalry is going to heat up in the, in the next couple of years. But until we're playoff teams, like you know, like it's it's a rivalry, but. I think that we focus on our jobs, and the Oilers focus on theirs, and try to get our kids better.
3: Johnny Gaudreau, when your kids gets 30 goals this year, you just talk about his development and how he's come along. Yeah,
13: pretty solid second season. Like uh, great competitor. Like always finds a way. Like uh, well, we can talk about you know his lack of size, but we can't talk about his lack of uh, commitment and at heart, like, uh, he's a gamer, knows how to, he wants the puck in in big moments and he always finds a way to, you know, like, to play well.
8: Was there a moment with Johnny that you knew he was going to be real good and and how quickly he's become real good?
13: No, it's, uh, you know, once uh, we set him out in Columbus last year, seems that, you know, like, he got, he got on a roll and uh, he started to play better, like, you no, know, he plays the game well in the three zones, and that's obviously we always look at Johnny's point total, but if we look at the way that he's playing the game, he's playing in a very solid way, and that's why he's a very important player for us.
1: All right, that's Bob Hartley. His Flames beat the Oilers tonight 5-0. 780-496-0063. Tom is on the line. Tom, thanks for waiting there, buddy. What's Guys, on your mind? a
5: pleasure
6: to pleasure
5: be on the show with you. Listen, I just quickly... Um The thing that gets me is the inability of the team, as the Oilers, I mean, to compete. I mean, I I lived in Alberta all my life. I'm 51. I was as stoked tonight, eh, probably not as stoked as I was back in the 90s, of course, but I'm always stoked to see Edmonton play Calgary, and I'm thinking the last battle of Alberta at Rexall, the team's got to show up and put in some effort and there was nothing i was so surprised by that i i i don't get it i have no answers and i echo what all your other callers have said about you know who should stay and who should go although i seem to be a, of a minority i think i like taylor hall i think he's uh, I think he's a guy that, for the most part, works hard every game. But maybe these guys don't remember the battle. Maybe it's not a battle anymore. I don't know. I've, I've, I'm curious to hear what your guys' opinion is. Well, on that. Not, I
1: mean, these guys either weren't born or were extremely young when, when that when that was going on. But, I mean, you shouldn't – I guess, Rob, like you said earlier, you're, you're a pro hockey player. I, 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 just having a game and that being your job, you shouldn't have had to have seen – past teams play to to motivate you in the present?
2: Well, when you talk about the battle, I mean, the battle, the reason the the battle of Alberta was so big in in the days of, of long ago was because they were good hockey clubs and they were battling for supremacy. They wanted not to just be known as the best team in Alberta, they wanted to be one of the best in the NHL. And those were teams that were always battling for playoff spots, playoff positioning, winning the division, playoff series. So, nowadays, I mean, you've got two teams, take away Calgary's run last year. It's two teams that have been out of the playoffs for a number of years. So, the rivalry is not there because it's two teams that are bottom feeders. And that would be like saying, does does Tampa and Buffalo, do they have a rivalry? I mean, they've been two bad teams for a long, long time. Uh, so... the, the the, as far as coming out with an effort, they shouldn't be coming out for, with an effort tonight, as you and I were saying, off air, because it's a battle of Alberta, because it's Calgary. They, they should be coming out because this is what they're paid to do. And people are paying to watch them play. They're professional hockey players. They're paid to win. And tonight, the Calgary Flames came to win. The Edmonton Oilers didn't, and that's why you saw, I just watched it on the, the TV here, too, The Todd McCullen, the frustration he had it in his talk with the media after the game. He, he's dumbfounded how that they can prepare and practice they can do their way their workouts they can do their video they can come out say all the right things and then come out and not play anywhere near to their potential and that's frustration frustrating for the coaching staff and, and you could see it and you could hear it in his voice it's a pained voice Todd McClellan has right now so yeah I, I don't think it has anything to do with getting up for a game against Calgary. It's simply getting up for a game because the Oilers have not won near enough games where they can take a night off.
0: All right. So, I, just, I just want to say I agree with that completely, but you think there might be
5: something
10: to provincial bragging rights regardless of are in the playoffs or not.
5: Yeah, like, but yeah, in
2: provincial yeah. bragging rights, we, what are you, you're saying yeah, we're, we're in 28th and you're in 29th. I mean, there, there really isn't bragging rights now. If these two teams were playing for real games, if this was to see who was going to come in first or who was coming second, then there's bragging rights. But honestly, when you're, you're in 27th and 29th in the National Hockey League, I don't really think you're going to brag about anything.
1: Yeah, uh, Edmonton's, uh, no, no, I'm not correcting you, right? nope. just to clarify, Edmonton's 30th and Calgary is now uh, 25th. Basically, you got uh, yeah, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Columbus, Toronto, Edmonton separated by four points at the bottom. Bob, Darcy, Mark, Gary, and Andy, we're going to get to your phone calls as well. Calgary rolling over Edmonton tonight, 5-0. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center.
0: Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Peranich team overtime open line. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
11: Furland, centering
1: pass, whiffing in front. What a save by Talbot at the horn against Derek Grant, who was looking for his first NHL goal, and that would have counted. All right, that's your save of the game from Camp Talbot, courtesy of Armor Insurance, working today to protect your tomorrow. Talbot, rough night for him. He lets in five goals on 35 shots. The Oilers are shut out by the Flames, Yornie. Uh, Yoni Ordeo made 28 saves for the Calgary Flames. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 11.42. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reid Wilkins. We'll go back to the phone lines, and Bob is standing by. Good evening, Bob. Good evening, gentlemen. Just wanted to
10: throw something at you. Uh, watch the game tonight. Uh, lots of flybys. I Watch one player in particular try to go one-on-two, lose the puck stopped skating right at that instant, put his head down, and then all of a sudden uh, he realized he was in the hockey game. Uh, Calgary players uh, crowding the, uh, the Oilers' net, uh, no pushback by anybody there. Anytime an Oiler got anywhere near the Calgary crease, he was getting grabbed or pushed or uh, moved out of the way. Now, with now with the offseason coming, when... Uh, the 29 other teams in the league take a look at an effort like this tonight. When you think you've got players of value and they show up and they give you nothing on more than a more than uh, one occasion, what is Peter Shirelli really expecting to do with the group he's got? And if he's going to get rid of some players, what value do any of these players really have?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Rob. I mean, if you're, if you're a last-place team, you're, you're in last place because of the players that make it up. I mean, I, I think he's, he's probably going to trade with other teams who are disappointed in their players. And, and I think he'll probably try to trade with teams that have cap issues and have to yeah. maybe part with guys that have good players, but they, they can't afford them all. That's probably what's going to happen
10: but how many how many how many bad contracts is Peter Shirelli going to have to take back to get to unload some of the to unload some of the talent that he's got and uh, by the way the it is good talent he's got but the thing about it is that the commitment the heart the 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 effort required to play this game and it's a privilege it's not a right for these players to be playing in the NHL it's a privilege and when they show up and give the efforts that they give On on like I said on more than uh, one occasion, Uh, really, you know what does Peter Shirelli expect? Uh, He doesn't. He's not going to get full trade value for any of these players if they keep showing uh, the tendencies that they do.
2: You're right. You're absolutely right. It's just making it even harder for Peter Shirelli right now because he's got to try and tell you that okay, this guy here, I know that he's had an off year on a bad team, and he was a part of the reason why they are where they are in the standings but he could be really good for you if you give us that player back in return, it's tough there, he's, not, he's not trading from a position of power because this what? will be the 10th straight year, this team has not made the playoffs and a number of these players have been here for four, five, six of those years and they've got some of these players got very good contracts uh, big contracts and you've got to find a team that wants the player, that wa- can afford the contract and also has something that the others want in return so you've got to get all three of those things for it to work, and it's not going to be easy. And Peter Shirely's work is cut out for him because I think there may be more problems than he anticipated, and that just makes it even harder.
1: Well,
10: and, he, and you take a look at uh, everybody has been clamoring over a player like Travis Hamnick, and he's had one serious uh, knee injury. This is probably his second. You know, like the thing about it is that uh, you're going to have to start moving in different directions when things are not going to pan out for you
1: thanks bob we appreciate it 7804960063 yeah i mean it, it is it is a, it is a tough job and for for every uh Chicago and Pittsburgh that was a bad team then climbed out of it there are teams like the Oilers and Buffalo and Columbus who have been you know out of the playoffs or, or bad for uh, for several seasons it is is—it is not easy and Shirelli does not have an easy job there's no doubt about that we have Darcy on the line as well hey Darcy thanks a lot for calling man hey guys
8: um boy oh boy I tell you I don't like to be a negative guy I really don't but uh uh, actually, I'm going to start off with a positive thing. I appreciate and respect you guys to come on after every game, do your job how you are paid to do your job. Well, thank you. Now to get negative, <laughs> <laughs> um, how many guys uh, uh, that are on the team have been here for, what, four year, four years ago? What? Five, six guys, maybe?
1: Well, Hall, Everly, uh, Nugent, Hopkins, Hopkins, Yak, I think that'd be it. Because this is Yak's fourth year, right? Yep, just those four, I would think. Yeah.
8: Okay, uh, I never I never really put a lot of stock into a losing, um, I don't know what would be the proper word, mentality. Uh, but, wow, I'd have to say that there is such a thing. You got these only these four guys. There's been so much turnaround over the last four years that uh, this team shouldn't be doing this,
1: should they? Well, no you shouldn't be you shouldn't be this bad for this long. I mean that that's actually hard to do to be in the bottom three in the league. Ex- well, I guess they were 24th one year, but basically bottom seven in the league seven years in a row. That's that's I think that's actually hard to do. <laughs>
2: It certainly is hard to do. and uh, You start looking for the common denominator. Uh, they, they've changed the GM a couple times. They've changed the coaching staff a number of times. Probably
1: too much, quite frankly, which doesn't yeah. help.
2: Um, yeah, but it still wouldn't aff- that doesn't affect the players. It's, it's the, the players should be able to adapt a lot easier than that. They've, tra- they've traded a number of different players away. Um, and now it, it 's going to the fingers are going to start being pointed at the core players, whether it 's right or wrong that 's what it 's going to be pointed at and i, I don 't uh, Yakupov will not be here next year, and then you 've got to wonder between nuge Hall and everly if if all of them are here, if one of them here too, or what it is but it once again it's. it's everyone says okay you 've got to start changing the you 've got to change trade the core players, but you 've got to find someone that 's going to be able to first of all wants one of those players. And they're great hockey players. I mean, they're good hockey players. But they're someone's going to have to want them. Someone's going to have to be able to afford them. And then someone that, that can want them and can afford them has got to have what the others want in return. Right. It, it's not going to be easy. You Just because you say we have to make changes doesn't mean you can simply go and make changes. Because some of these players are on long-term contracts.
1: Yeah. But I, I think, you know, he, and, you know, people always used to call. Well, they still do. And say, well, there's a losing culture. There's a losing culture. And I always... I, I don't disagree with that, but I always say, okay, there's, there's more to it than just labeling it a losing. The, the losing culture is the end result of the things that aren't happening. And I, I think tonight, okay, experienced players, not back-checking. Uh, you know, chances in, in the net that, that aren't finished. A, a team that uh, not all the time this year, but too often this year, has has shrunk in the face of adversity. Oh, we let, well, we, well, we let in a go. Oh, well, poor us. We're going to disappear for 10, 20, 30 minutes. Those are all the things. I mean, it's easy to say, well, we gotta, there's a losing culture with the Oilers, but it, it's those things, to me, that are, that are some of the things that, that add up to it. And, 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 and look, Hall and Eberle have been through the same dance six years in a row, talking, doing interviews with 20, 30, 40, even 50 games left in the season, knowing that the playoffs aren't going to happen. And and that, you know and those types of things mount, and I, I think it probably wears you down a bit as a, as a person. And and the solutions have been elusive. So I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's what happens sometimes. And then guys might go somewhere else, and it might be better. It might be better for them, and it might be better for the guy who comes to Edmonton from whatever hypothetical team they're going to trade with.
2: You're right. Yeah, where they go sometimes it's better when you're when you're the guy, the go to guy and things aren't going well, sometimes it's better to go elsewhere where you're no longer the go to guy. And you can just fit in. And all of a sudden you start to have success. The others need they need players like Maroon. Not just not just for the way what he does on the ice, but is what Todd McClellan says how he stands up and is accountable and calls out his teammates and says bluntly what's wrong and after game. Too. And himself too. Oh absolutely. You, you, you never ever want a guy that simply calls out his teammates. You need a guy that's going to call himself out too. So that's what he's done. So they certainly need more players like that and players like that change the culture in a dressing room because they hold everyone accountable and that's what you need to make sure that everyone's held accountable not just your third liners the fourth liners. You need everyone to be held accountable and I think that's what a guy like Maroon a guy like Maroon has done, and that's why you need more players like a Maroon in your, in your dressing
1: room. All right, the Oilers lose 5-0 to the Calgary Flames. Mark, Gary, and Andy, you are up next, but we got to take a quick timeout. Terry Peranich, overtime open line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center.
0: You're listening to the Terry Peranich team overtime open line. Now, live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.
1: All right. 5-0, the Oilers beat the Flames. Backland, two goals, one was shorthanded, one was just as a Calgary penalty expired. Goudreau scored twice, once on the power play. Colborn got the other one. The Flames outshot the Oilers, 35-28. 30 saves for Talbot, 28 save shutout for Ordeo. And Goudreau, our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. Tom, well, do we have one tonight? Nugent Hopkins came back.
2: Uh, well, uh, how about this? The, the, uh, well, I don't know if it's the adjustment or the backbreaker back of the game was a shorthanded goal. The Oilers have a good start to the game. They have a power play, and they give up a shorthanded goal, and that turned the tide going the opposite direction. So I don't know if it was an adjustment that was made, but it was a backbreaker for the Edmonton Oilers.
1: All right, we'll go back to the phone lines. Is it Mark up next, uh, Matthew? It is, Mark. Mark, uh, you're on with Robin Reed, man. Go ahead. Hello. 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 Yeah, go ahead, Mark. So you got, can I come through? You yeah, we got gotcha. you.
6: I'm sorry. Long time listener, first time caller. I apologize. Yeah, thanks for calling. I'll tell you right now, thank you for taking my call. But I'll tell you right now, I watched this game tonight. My God. I, I could tell you right now, I could have done a lot more better things. I could have went out with the wife. I could have... Uh, not have whiskey, but uh, I'll tell you right now, this Oiler squad, you know what, nothing against what I'm about to say right now about the player. I love the addition. But Patty Mappoon comes into the mix, and this guy comes in. I love this guy. I love what he brings to the table. But I was at the ranch over the last week, and this guy's 30th place in the league, and he brought a little bit of Anaheim with him. He was taking his shirt off. I mean, there ain't no beach around here. This guy has his shirt off. Okay. In the game, I know how the players are. They're having fun. They're doing their thing. But you're 30th in the league. You're taking your shirt off at the ranch. Are you kidding me? Am I, would you do that, Rob? <laughs>
2: well, not if you saw my body. We, Absolutely we all know not. you would, Rob. We all
6: know. I don't know why I asked that, Rob. <laughs> you, would have had, you would have had the belt off. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, I like the addition of I'm saying, This guy is exactly what we need. He comes out, he has a size, and he has the confidence. And you know what? He has the hands. This guy can play with McDavid, and he can one time. Maybe he can go and talk to Everly over the summer about how to properly one time, because Everly can't one time for a – if his wife was online, I'll tell you right now, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Anyway, I'm going to get back to having a couple pills. I'll tell you right now, Reed Rock, this is a great show, but I love the addition of Papoon. This guy is amazing.
4: All right.
1: Well, thanks, Gary. Yeah, I think Patrick Maroon has been pretty, pretty popular with uh, most Oilers fans. You
2: know what, what I would do if I'm a winger that's you know, going to be here for, in, for next season? And I would, especially if you're a goal scorer, I would work all summer long on one-timing the puck. If, if I want to play with a guy like Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisettle or Nugent Hopkins, any of those players, you don't know which ones are going to be here, but those are sentiment that can move the puck. All summer long, work on one-timing the puck. One time, one time, one time. Go out on the ice. Whatever, whenever you get on your ice, you, you take 100 pucks and have someone pass it to you, one-time it. Because there's too many opportunities that have been missed over this season from good passes that aren't one-time. Taking the time to corral the puck, set, and shoot. Goalies are too good in the National Hockey League. They get across. Learn to one-time the puck. Be good at it. Because if you were playing with one of those three centermen come next fall, you're going to get a number of opportunities. And that, that could be the difference of having a 25-goal season and a 40-goal season. Yeah. So that's something that if I'm a winger in this team and I'm coming back, I'm making sure that all summer long my one-timer is going to be improved. So when I come to training camp, I want that opportunity to play with one of those three players.
1: Yeah, good point. It is midnight. It is the Calgary Flames beating the Edmonton Oilers 5-0. nothing. is Andy, Daniel, and Jared up next on the open line. You'll hear from Taylor Hall as well. Terry Paranich, Overtime Open Line from the Cabela's Broadcast Center.
0: Live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center, this is the Terry Paranich Team Overtime Open Line. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.
1: Good morning. Four minutes after midnight, 5-0. The Calgary Flames steamroll the Edmonton Oilers tonight. The Oilers do not turn on the goal light once. And, of course, they don't get anywhere near the Japanese Village goal light. They've got to score five or more in a game for us to activate on the activate that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Three locations, downtown Southside and Northside. Rob, thanks for staying up late, buddy. I uh, had
2: nowhere to go. <laughs>
1: that's, that's one reason for doing it. <laughs> we have Andy on the line. Andy, thanks for waiting through the news there. What's up? Hey guys, thanks
5: for taking my call. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm just. Well, first of all, I, I love your show. It's great. I listen every night. Um, I'm so disenchanted with this team now, right? Like it, it's just, it's gotten to the point where I, I, I mean, like your other callers, it's really hard to even justify putting in the time, right? I mean, my, a few weeks ago, my girlfriend and I flew from here, where I live in Chicago, up to watch them get railroaded by Phoenix for nothing. You know, it, it's like. Uh, I I have no idea. I don't even know where to go. But, uh, yeah, I I hope that they get rid of some of these these players that, you know, you talked about earlier, this losing culture. But some of these these guys that you associate with that, you get them away from these guys that have some promise, like Darnell Nurse and Connor McDavid. you know, take Jordan Everly and his V-neck shirts and let him give his passive, you know, post-game press conferences somewhere else uh i don't know i just give me some hope here I, I just don't know
1: yeah andy what uh now what's your connection to edmonton that you that you live in chicago uh i, I just moved here from montana oh yeah. really so, so I, what's yeah. your uh what's your uh, oilers connection then
5: oh nothing in fact i, I got a should have a flames connection my uh my parents lived down the street from McDonald mcdonald's oh wow summer home in montana but no yeah they grew up in northwest montana and, and played hockey in british columbia and alberta and you know i'm 34 years old so grew up watching the oilers you know when they were worth a good goddamn you know i mean it's uh i don't know i i, I just don't know what to do anymore
1: yeah well i mean it's tough to, i mean the thing is it's it's like I said, I said earlier, I, I don't think any any professional sports team wants apathy. You know, that's 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 the scary part. I mean, fans are going to be frustrated. I mean, if it, look, if the Oilers would have been seventy nine and zero and lost five nothing to the Flames tonight, people would still be angry because you're losing to Calgary. But, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 tough to hear people say, "Well, I, I don't even want to watch the games anymore." Because at the at the end of the day, sports is supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. and every team's going to go through a bad season. And But then you want to think, well, we're going to bounce back. We're going to bounce back. You, know, I, you and I hear from fans all the time, Rob. People are, are tired of hearing, we're going to bounce back. They're starting to see old fool me once thing, you know? Like, yeah. fool me, fool me once, fool me twice. Like, at what point is there actually a season where they're, I mean, look, a lot of people would have been happy today if they were probably six or eight points out of a playoff spot, which still isn't good enough, but instead they're way out of it and they're last again. By the way, they've been shut out eight times this season. That's every 10th game.
2: And that's not something that you would have expected. You, when, you, when we started the year, you had question marks and goal. I mean, Talbot hadn't proven himself. You knew that you had deficiency on the back end, but you had some high octane offense. So you thought, all right, there's gonna be nights that are gonna be tough and we might lose a 7-4 game every once in a while. Well, the goaltending's been good. Uh, some of the defensemen that have come up uh, have uh, overachieved. When you think of a Davidson and Osterley, players of that nature. But the fact that they've been shut out with this, the, the number of offensively gifted players that they've had eight times, uh, it, that, that's hard to fathom. And, it's, uh, and I've said it before, it's, it, it's got to hurt to score in the National Hockey League. It does. I mean, you've got to pay a price and a lot of nights the others aren't paying that price and that's why they're on the short end of the stick in too many games they just they don't pay the price and the other team does and the other team at the end of the night goes home happy they might be sore but they're happy because they got the victory
1: yeah just quickly other action here before we get back to the phone lines uh, Another there was another five nothing game today rob's old team the pittsburgh penguins beat the new york islanders five nothing i know you had I mostly associate you with the Penguins, even though you had other teams. Yeah
2: I, I, yeah, I like that one better than associate me with the Indianapolis Ice or the Kalamazoo <laughs> Wings or something like that.
1: <laughs> you liked Kalamazoo. I point, did. I had a you? really
2: good time there, yes. That was a lot of fun.
1: Dallas beat L.A. 3 2. The Flyers beat the Senators 3 2. The Red Wings beat the Maple Leafs 3 <laughs> 2.
2: There's a lot of. Th- well, Daryl Sutter
1: says it's a 3 2 league. The Lightning beat the Devils 3 1. Now, usually, if you get to three, you win. But the Montreal Canadiens, or who are having a tough year as well, were up three nothing on the Panthers and lost four three.
2: I, I, I that that Florida team though, you keep they're waiting. Dangerous. Well, you keep waiting for them. Okay, wait, you know when is it going to really? They're going to wake up and 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 it's they're going to fall apart. You're like, yeah, they, this is the Florida Panthers we're talking about. Yet they 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 keep winning. And the games that I've seen them play, they got some very good young talented players and. The, the one thing, and this will just depress their fans even more, the reason that their team is starting to become a, a division-winning team is they've got a kid on the back end that can move the puck. Yeah. Ekblad is, is the real thing, and it's something that is sorely missed here in Edmonton. Someone that can play 25 to 27 minutes a night and play on your power play and jump up in the play and do all those offensive things as well as being a good defensive defenseman they, too. So,
1: yeah, Barkoff, good young player, two goals tonight. He has 26. Oh, a good old player as well scored. <laughs> Jager got his 26th, which would lead the Oilers, that, by the way. Which
2: is shocking, shocking. I, I, if you would have went to Vegas at the beginning of the season and said, okay, Yarma Jager is going to score more goals than any Edmonton Oiler. Do you know what the odds would have been at that? I Not, have no idea. And I would have put money on <laughs> uh, against that happening, but it shows you the type of season he has had and, unfortunately, the type of season the number of the Oilers players have had.
1: The Sabres beat the Rangers 4-3. Sod had a hat trick for the Blue Jackets, 5-1 over Carolina. Sharks beat the Predators 3-2 in a shootout. The Coyotes shut out the Capitals. How about that? Three-zip.
2: Another, old, another old dude there, too. Shane Doan with his 27th
1: of yep. the season. ekman Larson got his t- 21st. Uh, Smith, who's been very good since coming back from injury, got the shutout. All right, we'll go back to the phone lines. We have Daniel standing by. Hello, Daniel. Hi. Go ahead, buddy.
15: You know what? All I want to say is, you know what? I am tired of hearing about the Oilers being a loser, uh, having a loser culture. You know what? Oilers are a great team. They're great kids. Uh, the problem, I think, is with the fans. Uh, you know, you can't keep throwing jerseys on the ice bank and expect your players to actually respect you guys. You know what? These guys, I watch these guys. You know what? There's times when they play, and they play hard, and they're a good hockey team. Personally, I'll tell you honestly, I am not an older fan. But you know what? I watch these guys sometimes, and I wish, oh my God, these guys are awesome, awesome. And I think the fans have to give them the respect I know a lot of times, I mean, back, you know, a year ago, two years ago, they were throwing jerseys in the ice rink. It's crap. Really crap. I mean, I'm, I don't think I've seen that in any sport. I'm also a soccer fan, and you don't see it in soccer where actually fans well, throw jerseys okay, on the, okay, at the I, ice rink. Okay, I, when we, let's go teams. to the
2: soccer fan thing here. I, I, I watch soccer. I mean, there's, there's games that are played over in Europe, but there's not even allowed fans in the stadium because it's too violent. The fans are too violent. Now, I. I, I I got to defend the fans on this one. I mean, this Oilers, yeah, this not. Oilers, this has been ten years. The Oilers have missed the playoffs. They have been at the bottom or near the bottom of the standings a number of those years. And this rink is practically filled every night. And generally, uh, to start the games, they're in, in quite a good mood. I mean, they lost five nothing to the Calgary Flames, and it wasn't that bad at the end of the game. Booing. And so I, the fans are frustrated. They're unhappy. But I, I think that they have been. Very respectful of the players, very respectful of each other. Uh, I have nothing but uh, commendable applause to the fans of Edmonton for continuing to support the Oilers as the Oilers go through a very, very tough stretch.
1: Yeah, uh, Daniel, like, hey, all uh, the uh, the opinions are, are, are welcome, but I, I mean, I would, the, the, the fans don't I mean, fans can impact a game, sir, cheering and stuff, and football you can throw off, but, I mean, the fans have nothing to do with this loss or the last no, few years and or I, anything like that. And,
2: I, I yeah, the, the fans, I thought, have been uh, exceptional. There there was a stretch a few years ago where there was the, the jersey problems, but, uh, no,
1: I... I mean, that's, that's isolated, and I think yeah. most people realize that's not really an appropriate No, and, and, to that's, and that's here. long time yeah. ago. No,
2: the the, I, the Edmonton fans right now, there is a passion amongst the Edmonton people for their Oilers well, and they should have a passion. It's their hometown team and they want them to succeed. And I have not seen anything outwardly negative towards this team, uh, considering where the team has been for, for too long a time.
1: Yeah. No, uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think most people would be on the same page there. All right. We got Jared on the line. The Oilers lose five, nothing to the flames. Hey Jared. How are you guys doing?
14: Yeah, we're doing great.
16: Hey, I just, I just had a $205 ticket to tonight's game and, uh, I think my biggest disappointment isn't so much with the Oilers, but it's in, with the game of hockey in general. I mean, I grew up watching the Oilers in the 80s, and, and Rob played in the late 80s, and I really think that the game is in somewhat of a like a dark ages, and I thought that with all these first overall picks, we would kind of see another golden age return, but I don't see that happening, and I really think that by the end of next year, we're going to be more of like the the big, bad Bruins than the Edmonton Oilers. And I think that Peter Shirelli and Todd McClown are more, you know, part of the problem that the NHL has uh, today with just these low-scoring games, everybody skating backwards in the neutral zone. And even when I keyed on players tonight like, like, like Patrick Maroon, and he has a marginal skating ability. I know he's a big body, but you could tell when McDavid had the puck, He just couldn't be in the right place. And even Leon Dreiser, he really struggles out there. They have trouble, I feel, keeping up with the game. But uh, I just wanted Rob's opinion because he played in the 80s. And when he played in Kamloops and they were scoring almost 500 goals a year, what he thinks has changed in the game and where where he thinks, like, if it wasn't going to change in Edmonton with all these first overall picks, are we going to be in for another 10, 15 years of 6'5 guys standing in the neutral zone?
1: Jared, before Rob answers, I just want to say I, I admire that you could come up with so coherent and detailed a topic at 12.15 <laughs> in the morning <laughs> after a Saturday night game. Now I'll shut up, Rob. <laughs> uh,
2: the, the biggest difference is I see the game now that, than when I played. One is coaching. Uh, but when we played, I mean, we didn't have the video that they have now. Like, the coaches would be there a half hour before the players and would stay a half hour afterwards. But now the coaches, it's a it's a full-day job for them. They're there. From 7 a.m. until well tonight, it'll be well after midnight because they want to make sure that they're completely prepared for the next game. So there's no surprises. They know they they break down every team before they play them, and so it, back when we played, I mean, you could uh, take advantage of things on other teams, but now you can't because everyone's so well prepared. And the other biggest thing nowadays is shot blocking. When when I when I played, if you laid down to block a shot, the place gave you a standing o. Because it rarely happened. Now, I mean, it, it's hard to get a shot on net because the way they play, the, you have to block shots. Everybody, I mean, and you've seen the injuries that the Oilers have suffered this year because everyone blocks shots. Uh, I know that they're trying to change rules. There'll be goaltending equipment next year. They're trying to change rules that allow more goal scoring. And I don't know, the, the, the rink size hasn't changed, yet the players are so much bigger now. And faster, there's not a lot of room out on the ice. You don't have time to make plays. But once again, you're only seeing the Edmonton Oilers play. Would you be thinking that the game is different, it needs to be changed if you were living in Chicago watching the Correct. Blackhawks yeah. play every game? Or if you were living in Pittsburgh watching the Penguins play? Or if you were living watching the Anaheim Ducks play? I don't know if you would be thinking the same yeah. thing. Well. If you're in a team that continues to win and has got skill, and, I mean, Johnny Goudreau looked pretty good out there tonight, and he's a small, skilled player. So I, I, I don't know what the answer I mean, the, the game, I, I love the 80s game. I, I love the way it was played back then. There would be two-on-ones. It would be end-to-end, and there would be goals everywhere. But coaching has changed that so that unless you're willing to, to play good defense, you're not going to get an opportunity to play good offense.
1: Yeah, I think Jared raises a, a good question. Yeah, Jared, call, call into Inside Sports some night when Rob and I are more awake and we'll, we'll talk about it for half, or half an hour. I, I do remember this sort of uh, connected to this. I mean, Kelly Rudy's on Inside Sports once a week, and mm-hmm. he said a couple times that when he was with the Islanders and then you know, he eventually went to the Kings, and he said in the 21-team NHL, before the expansion started and then the defensive system started to get a little more strict, I guess. Like, like he said, the, the league wasn't as deep. Like he said, there were some teams you just knew that if you played, even at 70%, oh, yeah. you'd beat them 7-3. Oh, every, every night.
2: Always. There, there were weak sisters back then. Yeah, I
1: mean, And the Oilers are are one now, but you've still seen them beat, you know, the San Jose last week or, or, or whatever, yeah, no. you know, like.
2: Yeah, the the, if you lost to certain teams back in those days, it's because you deserve to lose. You really screwed up in the game. Nowadays, you could play well, but uh, the Buffalo Sabers could knock you off, or the Calgary Flames could walk in and knock you off. Because there's these bad teams have good hockey players on it. Back then, the bad teams were full of just bad hockey players.
1: Right, and if there's only you know four or five goals scored in a game. Then the bad team needs to get us sh- less of a percentage of the goals, right? To 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 sneak out. I mean, if you're you can be dominated, but if you're down two one the whole game and tie it late and win in a yep. shootout, that's what we see a lot. That's how teams and the Oilers unfortunately haven't even been able to be one of those teams. But I said earlier in the season, Rob, when the Oilers were doing doing bad, when they when they had a can't remember which bad run it was. There have been a few, unfortunately. But I said there's a lot of mediocre hockey teams that are going to win between 33 and 38 games. And the Oilers will not reach that level, unfortunately. But just because you hang around in a game, yep. you know, or one night your power play is hot and you win in a shootout or you, well, know, or when you, or you go 1-0-2 on a road trip or something like well,
2: that. Well, when it's a 3-2 league, in which it more or less is, that means you're, you're one bounce away from from. Winning a hockey game. Yeah. And tonight, I mean, the Oilers actually for a while they, they were they were that one shot away, that one bounce away. And unfortunately they never got the bounce or the shot and the Calgary Flames did.
1: All right. Here's what's gonna happen. We got a quick timeout, and then we're gonna come back with Taylor Hall. It is a rough ride for the Oilers this evening. The Flames win the final battle of Alberta at Rexall place five nothing. Terry Peranich overtime open line in the Cabela's broadcast center. <coughs>
0: You're listening to the Terry Franich team overtime open line now live from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, six thirty. Chad
1: So to summarize, Backlund scored shorthanded for Calgary just three fifty one in the game. The Flames then scored four times in the last twenty five minutes of the hockey game. Colborn at fifteen thirteen of the second. Goudreau at three eleven and seven twenty one. Of the third period, backland at uh, 12.35. So that's really that's four goals in about 17.5 uh, minutes to make it 5-0. That was your final tonight. The Flames went 1-for-6 on the power play. They went 2-for-2 uh, two two on the penalty kill with a shorthanded goal and another one that was basically a shorthanded goal because they put it in just as the Oilers' power play expired. By the way, the Flames came in with the worst penalty killing in the league. So of course they uh, are perfect and get a shorthanded goal tonight. Uh, we'll hear from Taylor's. Uh, we'll hear from Taylor Hall here.
5: Does that ever get any easier to, to deal
2: with
7: the fans or the way they are after this kind of result? Like booing, Just, you mean? Yeah. Oh, I mean, they pay a lot of money to come to the games, and uh, we expect a lot better from ourselves. So they can uh, they can cheer, they can boo, they can do whatever they want. Uh, we have to be better as a team. Uh, we have to give a better product um a lot of areas tonight we just weren't good enough we weren't sharp enough and uh you know you want to you want to play well in that final battle of alberta you want to have a good last you know home game at rexall so we're gonna have to be better next year so does that put more pressure on
11: you for wednesday i mean to really really make sure you, you yeah. have a strong game than the last one yeah.
7: we'll come out with some jump for sure uh we can't let that happen again and, um you know the these fans are loyal they're passionate and uh they want to see a good show uh, to finish it off here, so we have to be better. We have to be sharper. Just um, you know, rust is an excuse, but we, uh, we're, you know, we're professionals. We had a lot of practice time. We should we should have been more rested than them.
5: You'll have some time between now and that game. Is it? Is there much that has to be said about the magnitude and the importance of Wednesday and the last hurrah, that kind of thing in this building?
7: Yeah, it's. I mean, we're we'd rather be in a playoff spot. Um, we'd rather our the last home game in Rexall will be in the playoffs, but certainly we want to go out with a bang. Uh, we want to give a good show and just we owe it to ourselves. I mean, that wasn't a great effort for us and um, guys in here owe it to each other to, uh, to perform better, to be sharper. Okay. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. There's Taylor Hall, Reed.
1: Dave Campbell filled in for Brendan Ulrich tonight who is in uh, Dallas or wherever WrestleMania is. Seriously? Yeah, he was going to WrestleMania. Come on. Oh, I'm
2: serious. Does he know it's not real? It's fake, honestly. <laughs> I've seen it. They don't really hit each other. So much text them.
1: Breaking news from Rob Brown. Yep. <laughs> Just in case you didn't know. All right. So the Oilers uh, won't practice Sunday. They'll practice Monday and Tuesday. They play the Vancouver Canucks final Oilers game at Rexall Place on Wednesday. Here's what will be happening on 630 Chet. Oilers now from noon to 2. A special documentary called Rexall's Last Stand from 2 to 3. Rob, you're in that a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Three to five will be the face-off show. The game will be at five, and then we'll have all the post-game festivities for you here on six thirty Chet.
2: Do you have any? Are you in on it? Do you have any knowledge of what's going on after the game?
1: Well, uh, am I in on it? Yeah, I'm. I'm dancing actually. Seriously, I, yeah, I'm doing a little dance at Center Ice. Oh, yeah. that was your kind of, little. Kind of an interpretive dance, yeah, <laughs> about a minute long. Well, I'm looking
2: forward to it. <laughs> Like, are they have they released what they're doing? Are they, or is it a secret? Or I know there's there's a whole bunch of ex-players. Yeah, there's a whole players. bunch
1: of alumni coming. Yeah, like dozens. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. There's a ceremony.
2: Are you like? Is this like? I don't know. Wink, wink. I'll tell you as soon as we go off air. Or are you just like seriously? No, ser- you're not in on it. Ser-
1: well, why would I be in on it?
2: I thought you I'm were in the know. I'm
1: not the event planner for the Oilers.
2: That'd be a pretty cool job, though. I might apply for that.
1: <laughs> All right, so it's 5 nothing. Flames over Oilers. That's the uh, final. Thanks for staying up late with us. It's 12.30 in the morning on Sunday. I hope you uh, have a great Sunday planned ahead of you. Rob, we're done. I'm, I've actually run out of things to say. You threw me off a little bit by asking me about well, you know, interpretive I, dance.
2: <laughs> I can hardly wait to see it, but I am looking forward to Wednesday. It is going to be a cool night. I'm sure the atmosphere in the arena is going to be uh, pretty excited. Oh. It, it just—it's. Oh, you,
1: you just? Oil kinks. We got to mention the Oil kinks. Oh, four o'clock today, four o'clock this afternoon. They play uh, Brandon. Big game.
2: It, it is a big game. You know, it, if they win, it changes everything. the The last two losses on home ice mean nothing. They just have to win this one.
1: All right, and uh, the Eskimo show debuts also four o'clock this afternoon. If you are inclined to listen to that with Morley Scott, he'll have Len Rhodes on the show and new head coach Jason Moss. There you go.
2: It's pretty cool, and I—I I, I even actually—I'm not in big on the Eskimo news, but I saw that they don't have to give anything to the Ottawa Red Black Black Reds. Which is, that's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> All right, that's Rob Brown. My name is Reed Wilkins. Our studio producer this evening has been Matthew Panashik. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on Six Thirty. Fed is Sid Smith. Terry Peranich. Overtime. Open line has come to you from the Cabela's Broadcast Center. The final battle of Alberta—a stinker for Oilers fans. The Flames win it five nothing. Thank you so much for listening.